0: Last year, we made the transition from AFLM to AFLW fantasy and assumed we knew everything. Come join us as we revisit our mistakes from last year and chat through what you need to know about the AFLW. Hey everyone, welcome back to Free Kick Fantasy W Podcast. I'm Jono, your host, and today we've actually got a new member of the team joining us. Uh, Will say hello.
1: G'day everyone.
0: Out of the whole team, out of the four of us running this podcast, you're definitely the most experienced when it comes to the AFLW. Tell us, how'd you get involved with it?
1: So I've been following the AFLW since its inception in 2017. Always uh, was very keen to get on board with AFLW, even though my team, Geelong, wasn't one of the initial teams in the competition. So in the initial competition, I actually followed the Collingwood women's team due to my partner being a Collingwood supporter and I followed them through ever since as well.
0: Yeah, they've definitely been one of the early successful teams as well. So it must have been enjoyable.
1: Well, it's it's actually been interesting because they've um, gone from being a team that was probably on the lower end of things early on to being one of the more successful teams now. So it's been good to see them develop throughout the competition.
0: Hmm. Who would you say you support now?
1: I'm probably 50-50. I definitely have followed my Geelong roots to follow the Geelong AFLW team, but I'm still very much involved in the Collingwood team.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. You don't see a lot of people with two teams.
1: I guess for me, I just see it as an opportunity to enjoy more football.
0: (laughs) Um, And on the uh, fantasy front, we've also been playing together the AFLM fantasy for about 15 years now.
1: Yeah, we've uh, started playing AFL fantasy back in high school and we've just consistently played all the way through up until today. Um, I've mostly been a fan of the draft version, but I have consistently played the salary cap version, if not always very well. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You did play the AFLW Fantasy last year. Uh, What was your team name?
1: My team name last year was uh, Poison Ivy, based on uh, Jordan Ivy, who was a Geelong player at the time, now at Melbourne. But this year I'm going with La Nina Effect, based on uh, the name of my favorite Geelong player, Nina Morrison.
0: Yeah, no, absolute superstar.
1: (laughs) Absolute superstar.
0: Well, that's great. How did you go?
1: So last year I went reasonably well. Uh, I finished 117th, which I was very happy with, despite the fact that you, Mel and Liam all managed to finish in the top hundred, but I was very happy to, to be participating and using my knowledge to help us all get reasonably high uh, finishes in the competition.
0: Yeah. Oh, we are definitely relying on you a lot early. Uh, That's for sure. And I, I also see it as a win that you managed to finish the whole season.
1: That is very much true. In the uh, AFLM season so far this year, I have pretty much given up now that the buys have hit. So, But to be fair, that's probably about the furthest I've gotten in AFLM and classic season. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's, it's, it's one of the better things about the AFLW is that you, it's such a short season at the moment. You stay invested the whole way through.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely helps. Having the, the shorter season keeps me interested. I, l- I love watching the AFLW. I love following the players and things. So it was definitely a really great opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jono. So why don't you tell us why we're here for this bonus episode today? Basically,
0: there are quite a few differences between AFLM fantasy and AFLW fantasy.
1: And between AFLM and AFLW the game?
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They are one and the same, really. So the AFLW... I found last year has a lot of small differences, both in terms of rules and how it's played. And when you add them up, you end up with a very different game in your hands. How so? Well, I'll take you back to last year um, when we were picking our very first starting squad. I was looking around for value midfielders and I was doing it in the same way that I would for AFLM. So one player that I came across was Olivia Vesely. She's a St Kilda midfielder, best and fairest winner at the Saints coming back from a calf injury the season before. And with a few key Saints midfielders out for the season around her, she was looking safe for a lot of centre-bounce attendances. And from all indications, I was thinking, great value here. But, I mean, you know, what did I I miss?
1: Well, unfortunately, uh, St Kilda struggled a lot last year, partially because they were missing a lot of their key midfielders. And as a result, if your team isn't going well, your players generally don't get near the ball.
0: Oh, exactly. It's, yeah, I think I got like an average of 40 points from Vesely until I ended up having to trade her out, which knowing what I know now, you, you definitely could have been foreseen. So what this episode is about is for us to have a chance to work through what these small differences are, understand how the game is played and see what we can do to improve our starting squads this coming season. I think the best way for us to do this is probably just to touch on some of the widespread rules uh, that affect all of the AFOW players. And then we might work through it on a line by line basis just for some of those nitty gritty details. If anyone does want to see a list of the rule changes between the game, we'll have that linked on our socials. Will, let's start with the high-level stuff. I believe you prepared a list for us.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Great. One of your you start us off then? What's your, your first difference between the AFLM and the AFLW?
1: So one of the biggest differences, and this is also particularly relevant for the fantasy game, is that the games are about 75% as long. So each quarter goes for 15 minutes plus the time on rather than the 20 minutes that we see in AFL.
0: Okay, so if that's the case, would we then expect our players to score about 75% of the fantasy score as well?
1: Yes, that's pretty much the case. So when we talk about our AFLM premium midfielders, the, the line that we hope to see from them is about 100 score. So an average of about 100 is where you draw that line for premium midfielders. So when you look at the AFLW, shorter time, we look for around about 75 to 80. 80 generally is around about that 100 mark. Uh, based on the points per minute. So you've still got your uber-premium midfield territory, guys in the AFLM like Jack McRae, uh, Tom Mitchell, Jack Steele, who over the last few years have consistently scored much higher than that average, so they average about 110. Uh, So for the AFLW side of things, in Season 6, Kiara Bowers, absolute superstar, was the top-averaging player. She averaged 114.6 for the season, so massively above that average mark of 80. And there were other players like Ebi Marinoff who were pretty close behind her. And the other thing we also see is that despite the fact we do have that average of around about 80 points, we also see some AFW players scoring the massive scores. There are a few scores, over 150, which is crazy to think about when you think about the points per minute that these players are getting.
0: Yeah, that's, that's just an enormous impact on a game if you're getting that many touches of the ball just Absolutely. in that short time frame. I remember last year I brought in Ash Riddell from the North Melbourne Kangaroos coming into the final round of the year, is that I was playing as the, the Wooden Spooners at the time, West Coast? Yes, correct. And she she set a new AFLW record that game, uh, picking up 42 disposals, which was just mammoth. If you can really nail one of these high averaging players and, and set them as your captain, this is a huge differentiator in your team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And getting the the captaincy players that can score those big hundreds, not just your know, around about hundreds, really makes a difference. Uh last year I actually tried to save some value by trading out Kiara Bowers for Ann Hatchard, who was also in really good form at the time. It saved me about 20 grand in terms of fantasy money, but the week after I traded her out Kiara Bowers ended up scoring a massive 150, so Ooh. that kind of uh set me back a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jeez, that's that's something else. And 20 grand, I know from an AFLM fantasy perspective, it doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, the budget for the entire team that we had last year was 700,000. So you could buy a whole new player for $20,000.
1: Yeah. For context, Kiara Bauer started the year at around about 15 grand more expensive than the next player, which is essentially about a sixth of your salary cap. Yeah. So crazy. Big difference in terms of the prices.
0: Yeah. All right. So the quarters are a little shorter. We know what the impact that has. What's, what's the second thing?
1: So the second thing is that rather than having 18 players per side on the field at a time, there are 16 players. So you have the same midfield group and the bench size, but you only have five players up forward and down back.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting change. And I don't, I don't actually know why that's the case. Why do we have less players on the field?
1: So the main reason for this was always to ease congestion. The AA women's game is actually very, very contested. Um, a lot of stoppages, lots of tackling. Mm. The other reason for it was, uh, especially initially, um, the seasons were played over the summer months, a lot hotter. so a requirement for more rotations. Interestingly, the ground sizes are actually exactly the same. A lot of them are played on AFL standard grounds, so hopefully it does reduce congestion a bit as well.
0: Yeah, and, and so I suppose switching to the fantasy perspective of that, We're probably, with less players on the ground, whoever's in your team is probably more likely to touch the ball. So you can probably expect a higher points per minute, I'd be thinking. But at the same time, you said it's, you know, in the hotter months, we were looking at higher rotations through the bench. With the season now being moved from summer, we're starting in August this year for the first time. But, you know, are we expecting that same rotation or are we expecting these really great players to be spending more time on the ball?
1: I think you can expect a fairly similar rotation rotations policy for the aflw i think that as you'd expect the better players will spend more time on the ground and that will affect their points per minute so Mm. your absolute premium midfielders will play upwards of 80 90 game time continue to score those big points whereas in probably the the more bit part players of the team will probably be more focused through rotations so it's quite important for your fantasy team to be picking those players that spend a lot of time on the ground and give them the maximum chance to score points
0: yeah no that's great great context noting this year i suppose bailey smith's been one that's really taken off and it's because he's playing that you know 95 percent time on ground i i shudder to think how high Kiara bowers is going to score if she's on the ground as much like that that is just an enormous amount of time an enormous amount of points she could get
1: absolutely the same with ash Riddell, who you mentioned before she's got the record for the most disposers in a game but I wouldn't be surprised if she managed to smash through that 42 <laughs> mark yet again.
0: Yeah. All right. So we've got 16 players per team. What's our, our third difference between AFLM and AFLW?
1: So a couple of smaller differences here. I'll give you two actually. So the first one is that a mark can actually be awarded for a kick that's gone for 10 meters as opposed to 15. It's a pretty small change, but it can be pretty handy up forward or for a kick a much more kicking team because the kick marks can be done over a short amount of space, obviously. Yeah, makes sense. So a kick mark team such as an Adelaide or a Melbourne should be able to get some extra points that way. And the other change, and this is quite a big difference that's been in the news a bit recently as well, is when the ball goes out of bounds in the middle of the ground, so between the two 50-metre arcs, there is a last-touch rule where the team that last touched the ball from a clear disposal is penalized and gets a free kick award to the other team. And this is known as the lasso rule.
0: Yeah, that's a big change. That's a bit um, closer to soccer rules, really, if anything.
1: Yes, that's correct. And just lastly, this season's going to have 10 rounds in the home and away season. So not every team will get to play each other once, a little like twice.
0: Ooh. Yeah, no, that, that is a really big one, isn't it? Because, you know, if, if we're looking at our fantasy teams, we're always looking at structuring them so that you have a full team of premiums by the buy rounds, you know, rounds 12 through 14 at the moment and then once you've got that it's just kind of optimizing your team after that but we don't have that long you've only got 10 rounds to maximize your points on field and even with the extra trade I suppose that you get because you get three per week rather than two it still means you have to prioritize very differently
1: absolutely it makes moving your rookies around and getting those rookies right incredibly important because otherwise you may be stuck with a player who's not scoring and not generating you any money for an entire season. Hmm. Um, so that was one of the things we really noticed last year. And John, how did you go with getting all your rookies off the field last year and finishing your team?
0: <laughs> I, uh, I didn't. Uh, I was still playing two rookies on my field in the last round last season. So they're actually both from the Gold Coast Suns. I had Tara Bohanna forward. And then Charlie Rowbottom as my rock, which was using a ruck loophole tactic that we'll get into a little bit later. So what position
1: does she normally
0: play? Uh, she's a midfielder, very good contested midfielder. I probably at some points could have upgraded her, but I suppose, I think she ended up with an average somewhere in the sixties, which when we're talking about the difference between her and getting to your average premium at 80, it's not a huge difference. And I probably prioritize getting some of my forward
1: yeah, a bit up to those better easy. players.
0: Yeah. Even just moving sideways, because if we're going from 60 to 80 there, or I can go from, you know, an 80 averaging premium to, you know, someone like a Kiara who's going to average that 110 plus, that's that's actually a bigger difference. So that's sort of the priorities that I was working with last season. Uh, how, how'd you go?
1: Yeah, i um, kind of in the opposite side of things. Actually, I had a few rookies on my bench who basically sat with me through the whole season on the basis that because they didn't really generate me any money and in cases actually lost money, made it really hard to actually get out of my team. So an example for me would be Elle Chaston from Collingwood, had a really good VFLW season leading up to the season. It was her first season in the AFLW and came on as a young midfielder who didn't have a huge impact in terms of points, which meant that she didn't really gain any fantasy value, meaning that I couldn't really trade it because there wasn't any value to be had there. But at the same time, I couldn't play her because Mm. she wasn't scoring. So getting those rookies right is absolutely critical
0: yeah definitely and it's something interesting you touched on there and it's it's probably not from a game perspective but just talking about fantasy the concept that a rookie priced player that's not the lowest that a player can go and we didn't realize this going into last year the starting value last year was i think fourteen thousand four hundred, but there were some players that if they didn't average the the 21 points that they needed to maintain that average they went down in price which
1: actually created another interesting dynamic for downgrading your players because you could actually target players that had gone down in price to get extra value to upgrade your programs.
0: yeah you needed that extra cash so you get in a player who's averaging four but you know you save an extra four thousand dollars so it was was interesting
1: you just have to hope that you don't need a rookie on your bench to play because otherwise you're in trouble (laughs)
0: yeah definitely tough to upgrade them on the other side of that (laughs) Alright, well that's a great overview of some of the high level rules that apply to all AFLW players, but let's jump into positions now and some of the more specific things for each line. When it comes to AFLW backlines, let's start Will with some of the things that are the same across AFLW and AFLM.
1: Uh, So defenders have quite a few similarities between the games and a big one here is kickouts. So kickouts are very important. You get a player who leaves the square when taking kick kickout and they get an easy plus three. So you want players who do take those kickouts. Current trendy in AFLW is that it is very defense first game. So we do see fewer scores, uh, fewer behinds as well as a result. So if you want to get a player who gets those kickouts, you need to pick pretty selectively. Um, the back line's still a pretty key cog in transitioning the ball forward as well, so you want teams with good rebound defenders that get the ball in their hands and kick it forward to set up those attacking players. And just lastly, and this is something that's also obviously a key in uh, AFLM fantasy, if you have a defender that is listed as a defender but playing almost entirely in the midfield, you want them because they are going to be able to score much better than a pure defender.
0: Oh, I'm glad to know we're still looking for our, our Callum Mills and Rory Laird types from a couple of seasons ago because... Yeah, this is something you mentioned to us last year and was absolutely one of the best things that we did for our FLW fantasy teams. Two highest averaging defenders last year were Emma Swanson from the West Coast Eagles and Rebecca Webster at Geelong. And both of them played pure midfield last season.
1: Absolutely. And you can really see the difference between the midfield playing defenders and the other defenders in the team. And that really comes through in the scoring. So most of your premium defenders were scoring around those 50s and 60s. So low average scores. Whilst Emma Swanson, the highest averaging defender, was scoring an average of 88 points and Rebecca Webster playing through the Geelong midfield was averaging 72. So you can see that these players are able to get the ball more and therefore score more points. But that doesn't mean that we don't have actual defenders who are able to score. So a really good example was Ruby Slasher, Australian Australian uh, full back for Collingwood, who was the highest costing player at the start of last season and has long been a fantasy star for um, the AFLW fantasy game. Yeah, what, what
0: what actually makes Ruby such a great fantasy player then?
1: So obviously in terms of AFL fantasy, you want players who get the ball. And in AFLW fantasy, intercept marking defenders are a bit more useful to us than they are in the AFLM game. So you don't really see much of like switching or jump time kick to kick as you do in the AFLM game. So you if to have a player who can take those intercept marks and get those scores through marks is really important because it's not as common as it is in the
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, we've got some players like James Sicily who is a star off halfback intercept marking. But, you know, some of the other high intercept mark players, the AFLM, I mean, you'd never bring Sam Collins into your yeah, team. Sam
1: Collins, Jeremy McGovern, those sorts of players, generally mm. speaking, aren't probably going to be high on the priority list. But yeah. in the case of Ruby Slicer, Not only does she take those intercept marks, but she's one of the key running defenders for Collingwood and it's what makes her such a dangerous player is not only does she take those marks, but she runs forward, gets those kicks and gets those extra scores that other defenders might not.
0: Mm. So I suppose we're still looking for those rebounding marking players, but we've probably got more of a focus on. The intercept play is, is probably the big takeaway from this. That's
1: correct. And it's not to say that there aren't players that do do the mark kick game. So, a good example would be Gab Pound from Carlton, who um, scored a lot of points through the, the mark kick game, also taking the kickouts. But that's a bit more of an outlier. Generally speaking, we're looking for players who either play through the midfield, take your intercept marks, or are your running defenders. <laughs>
0: Jumping to the other end of the spectrum. So we've got AFLW forwards and here just from the few games that I've watched, uh, the differences seem a little bit more stark to me.
1: This is correct. So the main similarity is once again, you want players who are playing through the midfield. But the big difference between AFLM and AFLW here is that there are a lot less goals to go around. It's a lower scoring game, so you can't really rely on players to be kicking those goals to get you those extra six points. Um, So a good example would be the leading goal scorer from last season, Ash Woodland. She had a breakout year last year, kicked plenty of goals, but only averaged 52, which is fine if you're looking for a mid-tier player. But if you're looking for a player who can really score your points, you need to be looking towards the midfield. And so a good good example of that would be Gabo Sullivan from Fremantle, who played most of the season in the midfield, but did spend some time on that half-forward line.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a great call out. I suppose nice. yeah, very similar, easy to transition because we've got players like, you know, Josh Dunkley or Tim Taranto, yeah. Stephen Cornelio as well. Yeah. Players, you just know that they're going to be yeah. playing in the midfield, right? Absolutely.
1: If you see a player who's playing primarily midfield with a um, position that's not midfield, they're always someone yeah. to consider.
0: Now, does this mean, I suppose, that when we're looking at forwards we're not looking necessarily to get the points from goals but does that mean that your key forwards are not an option at all
1: interestingly some of the key forwards are actually very fantasy relevant particularly because they take marks and marking Mm. in aflw really helps boost the scoring because it is a much more contested game you do get a lot of quick kicks out of packs that don't really go to players so if you've got a player who can mark the footy they can end up being a really interesting prospect for you in terms of the forwards so an example that Jono mentioned earlier is uh, Tara Bahana, who started the season as a bottom-price rookie and went through kicking 13 goals for the year and taking plenty of marks to make her one of really the best fantasy buys you could make for the entire season.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, she was an absolute star for all of us and great, great that she, we managed to hold on to her as long as we did. Uh, another one that I had, which I was thinking about, was Melbourne superstar Taylor Harris. Absolutely.
1: Um, and Taylor Harris started the year on the cheap as well. And for a lot of the season was putting up average sort of points but then really, really started catching fire later in the year when she mm. was taking big marks, kicking goals.
0: Yeah, I, I remember, she, I think she threw out a couple 20s and 30s and a lot of the competition jumped off her.
1: I can say that I was one of those players. Yes,
0: yeah, I think Liam was as well. Um, I think
1: Liam took a bit bit longer and uh missed out on the value but also missed out on the points yes yeah
0: um but that's that's i suppose where i got a bit lucky i was looking at uh trading her out or uh, i think it was bella lewis who's another one of my forward lines we'll get to in a moment but i'd seen you know she had uh, a pretty easy matchup that week she was playing west coast so i thought oh, i'll give her one more and she you know kicked i think two goals and threw up a 64, and I was yeah. like, oh, I can give it another week, and then she just really yeah, rolled just, on just from there. just kept
1: on scoring decent scores. Yeah,
0: very close to taking out the, the goal-kicking award towards Absolutely. the end there. But back to Bella Lewis. Uh, this yeah. was an interesting one.
1: This was an interesting one. So we've talked a lot about how if a player plays through the midfield with a different position, get players to target. And a player that was on a lot of our minds last year was Bella Lewis from West Coast. Very, very good young player, plays primarily through the midfield, was also listed as a forward so we thought she's putting up good numbers in the midfield plenty of uh, center bounce attendances so definitely a lot of opportunity to score however as we were saying before in the teams that aren't as good as some of the other ones in the case of west coast they were the wooden spooners last year despite the fact the opportunity is there to get the ball if they're not playing well, they struggle to get the ball and therefore struggle to score. Yeah, it
0: seems very important to have that ability to share it amongst your midfielders. And if, you've, if you haven't got a strong core, the, the other team has just run right over the top of them.
1: Absolutely. And that was unfortunately the the case with Bala Lewis where in a team that really was struggling, it made it very difficult for her to put up the scores we knew she could actually get in, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: But that's key forwards, getting those marks. Uh, we know on the uh, AFLM side of things that small forwards generally want to uh, avoid because they have some of those bigger games when they kick a few goals, but otherwise they're relatively quiet. Is that the same...
1: Yeah, AFL definitely w- still the same in uh, AFLW fantasy. So a good example of this was uh, Zimli Farkasen last year who came onto the scene, scored a really good score in her debut match.
0: What a debut. What, what a goodness. debut it
1: was. Was it? Did she post an 80, I think? Yeah, it
0: was something crazy like that. Very,
1: very good score for a, for a small forward. But as you'd expect for a small forward, she also had a few more quiet games. Still impactful within the game, but not a big fantasy scorer. Mm. So unless they're really bottom priced players that can get you a bit of money quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're probably someone for players to avoid given that their output is a bit lower.
0: It is a bit lower, yeah. I, I remember last year I had um, one of the GWS forwards, uh, Jess Doyle, yes. who was very consistently, you know, kicking a goal every game, which is you know not obviously great. But that that was pretty much her only impact on on those games from a fantasy perspective yeah. so probably an average of about 24 25 and that was yeah, pretty yeah. slow going
1: yeah very little cash generation there as well which makes it very hard to yeah. move them in and out of your team
0: yeah moving back to the middle of the ground then uh let's let's start chatting about uh our rocks um what do we need to know here
1: so Rux is quite an interesting position in the AFLW fantasy so generally speaking rucks aren't as high scoring as we see in the men's game so we don't really have those 100 plus averaging rucks like max gorn that we have in the mm-hmm. afw game so last season there were really two main premium rucks which was gabby seymour from richmond and brian moody from carlton if you didn't have one of those two players you were usually relying on a ruck who was probably averaging around about that average of 50 to 60 and it made for quite an interesting uh dynamic to the game because it became the case where it almost became more cost effective to just buy a cheap ruck who would get you a, a 30 yeah. or a 40. And use that money elsewhere to get a premium midfielder.
0: I was blown away when I saw how many rucks debuted last year. Uh, there were so many basement priced, and I feel like even players that were listed as rucks were often playing different positions. And there were just so many cheap options. Is that something you're expecting this year, this season again?
1: Absolutely, and especially with the new teams coming into it, there will definitely be much more opportunity for the ruck roller coaster to continue. <laughs> Um, it made for some carnage in the end because one of the, the interesting things that happened for us was uh, the Melbourne Ruck situation really threw some snows in the works for you, John.
0: Yes, yeah. There's this very interesting dynamic in how uh, the AFLW fantasy game has been set up where uh, one of your bench positions is a utility similar to the AFLM. But that utility, it doesn't matter what position they play. If you've got an emergency for a position that doesn't play. So let's say that I have a ruck playing on my field who doesn't play. I have a ruck on my bench, and then I have a utility who is a midfielder, say Charlie Rowbottom, who I was using. Just because Charlie isn't a ruck doesn't mean that her score can't count towards the rucks. And therefore I, I was able to play her on my field, covering my ruck bench, covering my ruck field. So. It was a bit of a strange one there. It does rely on us having two non-playing rucks. And so how
1: did that come unstuck for uh,
0: We had a, I brought in one of the Melbourne rucks. Uh, my assumption was that if Melbourne's ruck stocks, you know, took a hit, that they would start playing Eden anchor in the ruck again. Yeah, Because she'd done it the season before. Absolute jet was, was tearing it up for them. But unfortunately, well, I suppose very fortunately for Talia Gillard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she played very well. But she she came into the team actually as a, as a key defender for yes. them. And I, I went from having, I had this terrific 70-point ruck on my bench uh, to now I had Gillard scoring about 14 on the field. Which, you know, that that's, that's the risk I take there, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and I suppose that ruck, utility play is a risk in that sense because if your bench ruck does end up playing you've set yourself up for failure
0: yes yeah um but look it'll be interesting to see how that goes again this year hoping that uh that option's still there because i thought it really added a, a bit of a different dynamic to the game
1: yeah it really did and it meant that you could utilize your bench midfielders a bit better as well yeah
0: yeah. So I suppose with additional congestion in the game, it's it's a little bit odd to say that there's less ruck fantasy output. Um uh, is it because we're looking at I suppose less marks around the ground and it's probably more on hitouts than it is anything else? That's
1: correct. So a good example for this would be Lauren Bell from the Gold Coast. Led the league in hitouts for the entire year but only averaged in the 40s. So you can see mm-hmm. that despite the fact that she's getting a lot of those hitouts that normally we see as fantastic bonus points for your AFLM rucks the fact that the rucks aren't doing as much around the ground not kicking the goals not taking those big forward marks or defensive marks means that their scoring output is lower compared to what we see in the rucks in the effort
0: yeah no that's that's great context
1: uh, if we can have a, a few more set and forget rucks this year I think that would be quite nice yeah.
0: All right, and finally then, we're coming to midfielders. So this is where we're spending the dollars, as far as I can tell, um, because this is where the point differential becomes much higher.
1: Absolutely, and this is where we talk about players like Kiara Bowers and Emmy Marinoff who not only score at that average point of about 80, but far exceeded. So you really need to use your money wisely to get players who you think are going to score much above, but also to find some value in players that will be able to score those high scores at a lower price
0: point. Hmm. In the AFLM, we're looking at players, I suppose, who really fill out the stat lines, right? So you're Jack McRae, who he's, he's not generally regarded as the best midfielder in the comp, but he takes lots of marks, he tackles, he gets kicks lots of disposals.
1: Kicks the odd goal. Yeah.
0: So this is, I suppose, what we're looking for. Are we expecting AFLW players to fill the stat line in the same way?
1: We are. The best players are able to do that. However, some players are much better at certain aspects compared to others. So the best example here is Kiara Bowers. Kiara Bowers has not had a season where she averages less than 10 tackles. So her point scoring ability is primarily in tackles. Yeah. And that's what basically pushes her above a lot of the other players, is just being able to smash out those plus fours. Yeah, absolutely. Now, while tackles are obviously very important, possessions are still very important. So in AFLM, we love the players that are able to rack up the disposal. So you've got your Tom Mitchells, your Clayton Olivers, the players who can just get those 40-plus disposals really get the points. And that's still the case in your AFLW fantasy as well. So a great example we said before is Ash Riddell, averaged well over 30 disposals and got primarily most of her points from those disposals. Ed Marinoff's another great example. She's a very good example of a player who can really fill out the stat line with tackles, marks, kicks, fill out the whole lot and get lots of points.
0: On Marinoff there, uh, one thing I've noticed she does that some of the other players don't do is mark the ball and especially with her partner in crime there of Anne Hatchard. I, I think you were saying earlier that Anne Hatchard is the top-marking player in the entire AFLW.
1: Absolutely, and this is something that's very different to what we see in the AFL men's game, which is where almost entirely filling out the marks category are inter- or half-backs, whether they're intercepting or taking those um, you know kick-out marks. Um, those are the players that generally take lots of marks. Anne Hatchard is a complete outlier in that sense. She averaged nearly seven marks a game as a pure midfielder. She was also one of the leading contested marking players in the competition. So absolute jet getting those extra points through marks.
0: Yeah, you really don't expect that because even though you know we've got some tall midfielders, it's it's one thing to be just putting yourself in the position where you can be taking all these big marks. An impressive thing from absolutely,
1: and you, you really can tell that the players with the massive running power. Players like Ann Hatchard, uh, Brit Banici, who won't be playing this season, but has traditionally been a very good marking player on the wing. Those sorts of players can really rack up the points by playing inside and out taking marks and filling out that start line as we said.
0: Yeah. Another thing that I've always sort of going back to when looking at AFLM teams is that there's always going to be one player who's going to be able to take that role, I suppose, of the fantasy player that you want. So when you look at the Sydney Swans, who they have a lot of those players running through that midfield, but Callum Mills is definitely your star. And and you could say that about most teams, they've always got at least one. But I've noticed in the AFLW that that's not always the case, is that we're looking, I suppose, at a limited pool of teams which are racking up these uber-premium territory players. But you don't necessarily see them from St Kilda, for example, who were last year a little bit lower down and their highest averaging player would have been in the seventies.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And I think there are still teams where you have that one superstar, for example, West Coast, we've talked a bit about their scoring struggles, but Emma Emma Swanson still was able to score at a, an average of 88. So very, very good players are still able to score, but there are teams that play in certain ways that really help their scoring. So a good example of that we've talked about a bit is Adelaide. Obviously, very, very good team running premiers for a reason, but part of that is because they have midfielders like Marinoff and Hatchart who can get the ball, do everything that really makes them premium scorers. Mm.
0: Anyway, we hope we've got you thinking about what to look out for when you're starting your FOW fantasy team. We've got our team-by-team analysis coming up where we talk through the 14 existing teams and the four new expansion clubs. Please subscribe so you know when we're releasing our next podcast. You can find us wherever you normally listen to podcasts. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to follow us.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Effect FKP.
0: And for myself, you can find me on Twitter at OddsAndStevens. And And as always, if AFLW Fantasy sounds like the game for you, go to aflwfantasy.com.au. Share the game with your friends. You never know who else is just looking for an excuse to get involved. Thanks for listening.